Hello, everyone. I'm excited to be back for the Mystical Motherhood podcast. This is Pratamatma, the author of Mystical Motherhood, Fertile, and Alchemy of Becoming. I took a long break from the podcast only because I was busy writing my fourth book and changing my world around as I wrote that book. And it took a lot out of me to write this book and enough out of me that I needed a lot of space to do it. This newest book is called The Signature of God, and I'm going to take a little time today to talk about some of the subjects that I'm going to be bringing up in the book, but also bringing people on the podcast to kind of discuss. And it's really controversial in a lot of ways because it's going to be a little bit (laughs) anti-feminist. And I am so surprised at myself because I spent my entire life, like many of you, doing. And I mean by doing, I was never satisfied. And my sister would call it, you know, the realm of hungry ghosts. I was always looking for the next thing to make me happy. The next degree will get me there. Um, the, the next, I was in, it was in competition and I was in competition to do better than the male or to be successful in money, to have a career, to have children, then to write my books and then to start a podcast. And then it was this never ending. And my sister would always say, when's this going to end? When's this going to stop? And even my ex-husband, when's this going to stop? Like, when is the you know, next thing you're creating going to stop? And I never knew because I hadn't found that peace with that deep, deep, deep peace within of just being and being okay with... Um, where you are. And that's like the internal peace and happiness that I guess everyone's looking for. And this is the process I went through. And in order to get there, I had to let go of all these outside identities. So the book is that process. And the book brings up some really, really potent things about the male and the female, the relationship between the male and the female. And so what's happening right now is women in this world are competing to become like men. And when they do this, they create more greed, more corruption, and essentially more economic value in the world. So if both sexes, this is the premise of the book, if both sexes are trying to be male, and the male is naturally, you know, always providing, always doing, always creating, always needing more, So, and the woman's not in her heart, we have the entire world becoming more greedy. So there's no balance. And it may be one of the most unnatural things that's ever happened on our planet before. So let's say Atlantis was real. And let's say we blew it up. Like, let's pretend there's this place called Atlantis. I, I don't know, maybe I was there, maybe you were there. Maybe we weren't there, but, or maybe it was pretend. Maybe it was a magical made up place. But supposedly they they had so much technology that eventually they got really, really greedy with it and they exploded it and like flooded the land. If that's true or not, I don't know. But I do know that they were out of balance. They were out of balance with nature. And so what this book was, is about, which I was, I was looking into what is the nature of a woman? What is it? We don't even know what it is because if we're all trying to become men, We don't know what a woman is anymore. We've lost what that is. And I remember my teacher, Guru Jagat, would say, we don't, and when she was alive, and I miss her so much, but when she was alive, she would always tell us, 
what is the nature of a woman? We don't we don't even know what that is. We have no one on this planet who's representing what it means to be a woman. And so we're only copying what it means to be a man. And I don't know if we're I what I do know about that is that we're losing our power. And so we are asso- we are associating success and power and notoriety and being powerful in this world with a copy of a man. So it's like a, it's like trying to become if we're all white horses, we're trying to become donkeys. And I hate to say it, but like women are so competent to do so many beautiful things. Why do we think it's important to, you know, to have this insane career, to be so successful, to to make so much money, and then we're missing out on what it means to be a mother, what it means to be in love, what it means to be in being. And that's what's out of balance. So if the two sexes have been manipulated, so that's I'm essentially that's what I'm arguing in this book. The two sexes, sexes have been manipulated to compete with one, one another. So we're creating this battle on this planet that we're completely unaware of, which is actually creating more divorces, more separation, more misunderstandings between the male and the female. If the building blocks of oneness here are the male and the female, let's say Adam and Eve, right? If the building blocks of oneness are the male and female, which essentially they are, you have to have a man and a woman to create a family, um, all of humanity is essentially completely separated because the female and the male energy has been altered from its original blueprints. The original blueprints is that the male is in doing, the male is the protector, the male is the provider, and the woman is in being. And that means being in her heart and not being in her head, not leading with her mind, but leading with her heart. And if both sexes are both leading with their mind, that's what's causing the issues on this in this world, in my opinion. It's a whole nother way of looking about the issues within a woman. Most of my books have looked at the issues within a, you know humanity as within the issues of the conception process. So a lot of my books have used birth or the the moment of conception through the moment of birth as a as a as a programming period for the next generation. And so a lot of my podcasts, all of my work has been on focusing just on that section. But if the woman is programming the next generation to become, you know, even male or female, more male dominated, more greedy, more needing to do, then we don't have that balance. So this entire book goes into understanding all of the identities that women take on to become like a man, which is not bad or anything. It's just what we're programmed to do. It's, you know, lots of education, then the greatest job there is, and then, you know, these spiritual identities we take on of like, I'm going to become a meditator, I'm going to be this, I'm going to, I'm going to go traveling, I'm going, I mean, all the things, I mean, I've done it, I know that we all have a desire for more, a desire to do more, that we're not enough, and this all comes from like a need-based lack, and despite having everything it seems like all of us always need more, whether that's, you know, you finally get into the relationship that you want to be in and then it's like, well, then I need a baby or I need a house or I need this to be happy or I need that. So that's what's creating more of this greed. And 
I heard something online and it actually really struck me. And it was some sort of a, I don't know if it was like one of those people putting out worry on Instagram or something, but they were saying, what if the government created the, you know, the women's movement, which it could be very possible. The government created the women's movement and, and, and backed up the women's movement, the need to work, the need to, um, you know, like feminism and all these different things to go out there and create more jobs and to be independent and to do this. And we're so gullible that we're like, yeah, we're going to go out there and we're going to make more money and we're going to fight for this world. But um, we leave our kids at home and then they're going to be watched by nannies. And then every family is going to be separated and then divorces may happen more because no one's at home to balance it out. And because women were going more and more and more out of their heart. And then as a result of us going out of the home, we have two people working in the economy and the male and the female are both making money. And that's great because then you can increase home prices and then you can increase taxes and then you can make more money. And I don't mean to sound like some conspiracy theorist, but sometimes we're so manipulated to think and we're so if reality is only two people confirming, two or more people confirming what's right or wrong. So when we say that right, what's happening right now is is the correct way of doing it. Like everyone should be working. The kids should be, you know, doing all these activities. They should be um, with their nannies, and we should be more successful. It's only because your neighbor and all your friends are doing it, right? If you lived in some community where it was normal for you to go farm or for you to be in being or for the women just to hang out all day, you would have a fun time doing that. I know it may take some unprogramming, but it's all just what is your neighbor doing and what is the reality based on the group for like what the group is doing. So somebody, I think it was Abdi, this amazing teacher named Abdi Electricite, who is a big part of this book. He oh, he taught, you know, if everybody in the room thinks the room is cold, then that's a shared reality. And that's why you believe it's cold, because the other people around you believe it's cold too. If, if you agree it's cold and another person be, be, agrees it's cold, then you share the same reality. But and you don't ever want, you would never go into a room that's warm if you want it to be cold, because it would be a contrasting reality. And it's so it's so crazy how the mind can be programmed so easily. You walk into one room and you can believe one thing because the, as the group believes that, and you walk into a different room and you believe something different because the group believes that, and that's what you know can happen within countries, within huger organizations, within the world. If everybody starts to believe that it's normal for everybody to be working at this level and leaving the kids at home, it becomes the norm, and so. We go more and more out of our nature. We go more and more out of our nature, and we don't even remember what it is to be a woman anymore. So this book goes through these different things of what it means to be a woman, what it means to go back into your nature, and maybe it's not any of the things we think it is right now. And I'm going to bring on so many guests that's going to help you see this in a new way of what is it like a, a series of you know what does it mean to be in being what does it what does it mean to be a woman in her nature in her heart and maybe that's more powerful than a man in his mind so why are we trying to be like men if our power lies in a different region in a different way of being why do we think that we're going to be powerful acting like them there was this passage i read um 
the other day, and it's in Luke 10, I don't know how to read the Bible yet, maybe 1038, I guess I'd say that, 1038. And it's called At the Home of Martha and Mary, and it's one paragraph, and I'm going to read it because it was kind of incredible. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She was a sister. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had been made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care for my sister? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So what this is saying is that there's two women in a household, right? And you have a guest coming over. You have a party. You have a party happening. But like this guest is the greatest teacher, and the greatest teacher is called presence. That's what this is saying, right? Jesus' presence. And that was what Eckhart Tolle was checking telling you it's not about the future, it's not about the past, it's just about the presence, which is about being, which is about being in the heart. That's what this all comes down to. So Jesus arrives, and he's essentially the master of presence. And he comes in, and he's just maybe have he's just chilling, he's having some tea, and Mary sits at his feet. And Mary doesn't care about anything else that's going on because Jesus, the presence, just arrived. And presence is like a present, right? And then there's Martha. She's super busy. She's running around the house. She's like getting the kids ready. She's packing the lunches. She's getting dinner ready. She's cleaning because the guest has arrived. She's got to get the house clean. I mean, who's like that? Like I have been there so many freaking times where I'm running around thinking that the next thing is going to make, you know, be better or that I'm preparing for the guest that's already arrived, right? It's so stupid. And so what Jesus says to her is like, Martha, don't, why are you complaining that Mary's not helping you? Mary's doing the right thing by stopping everything and just being present, being with me, being with God. And that's, it's such a simple passage. And these passages in the Bible, they're so much deeper than just what they say. So what he's saying is, Mary has chosen what is better, and what is better is not doing. And that will never be taken away from her because she understands it. She's in her heart. That's like the greatest gift. And Martha's there distracted. She's preparing. She's complaining. She's worried. So that's every woman. And so this book, it deconstructs that. It deconstructs the the creation, the out of balance that we've made with nature and this to connect back women back into a state of reception, into a state of connection, into a state of love. So if we get that state, if we are in reception, connection, love, intuition, that's power. Power doesn't come from, from greed. Power doesn't cr- come from the mind creating more. It doesn't come from, you know, what we think it comes from. So if we could all change and really see how powerful our prayer is from our heart, from the state of being, think of how much we could change the planet. That's crazy to me. And as I begin to describe this, as I move forward in the podcast, like it, it could, if like, let's say like half the population stopped creating, you know, so much greed, so much, and like all the things that we're not supposed to be doing, think about how fast we could change this planet. 
because everyone's doing so much right now and we don't have any, you know, we're needing so much money, we're needing so much more. If we stopped, it'd be incredible. And another thing I realized is equality means that each individual should be in their own nature, but each individual's natures are not the same. My nature as a woman is not the same as a man. And men's nature is not the same, same as, a fem, as a female. But we have made man's nature the epitome of success and essentially lost the connection of what it means to be, you know, in our roots. Now that you all have a base understanding of where Mystical Motherhood podcast is headed for a little while, I'm going to bring on my my next guest who is going to talk about what being is to her. And she is a midwife and a mother. And she has a very fascinating way of living life. I think she's fascinating. So I'm excited to bring her on and have her opinion um, open your heart. Hey everyone, I'm super excited to introduce my guest today, Celeste, and I'm going to let her introduce herself. And she's going to teach us a lot about birth, a different kind of birth that you may have never heard of, and also about nutrition and about being and relaxing into the heart and being in nature and almost like being yourself, which is very hard. Like, what does that mean if you have all these different identities and you're living in such a busy world and you can't live in simplicity? So I, I'm on a mission to figure out what that is. So we're going to hear from her. Hello. Hi. Thanks, Chelsea. Thanks for introducing me. My name is Celeste. I am a midwife. I'm a traditional midwife. I'm a farmer and a butcher and a mother and... Above all of that, I'm a woman, and I feel um, very honored to share some of the knowledge that I have around the feminine aspects of being and my journey and how I got to that space. That's the good. The first question I have for you: What? How do you get there? So I want to hear because I'm going there, and it took. Almost like for me, things happen very fast. It took like somebody yanking a tree and then shaking all the apples out and they're like, stop it, you know, and like change your life right now. And so like almost like everything shaken out in a year. Now, I think I went through what would take people. I mean, I was told what would take people 10 to 20 years about in six months, but I like it that way. And so I'm able to like shed quickly. How did you get there? I had a lot to shed. Mm-hmm. be able to go into being and and almost feel comfortable with that every day of moment of like waking up, not knowing what you're going to do, not having to do something. And I only learned from my trips in Costa Rica of no time, no space, no mirrors, no cell phones, what that's like. And that was my first introduction to simplicity in the heart space because no one in this world knows what it means. So how did you get there? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think that a lot of women get there by the by recognizing the sickness of the opposite recognizing the sickness of the doing and that we live in a hyper masculine culture and that we live um our our programs our structures our routines our work life our work week 
that has all been kind of normalized is all set around the male structure and what works for the masculine and what that, and that sense of purpose. And the, so I think for me, how I got to that space was through my own sickness. And I'm not talking like, you know, like a chronic disease or anything, but just a, a a lack of vibrancy in my life that I felt like I was missing. I was, um, I had a very busy career, lots of doing, um, and I'm feeling, you know, that whole boss babe mentality and the rhetoric around that and how like to hustle culture and how like, I felt really proud of that. And I started, and through my years, you know, before I had, um, that I ran a big business, I had done training in midwifery. So I had a good knowledge of menstrual health and fertility. You know, I had some knowledge of that. Um, and so when I was working so much, I started to become male. I was losing my periods. I was at the time I was a raw vegan. I was living in California. I was doing that. I, I had acne all over. I had low libido. I lost my menstrual cycle. And I thought, this is something is not right here. I didn't feel in alignment with myself. And so I quit the corporate job and I just, and I've been in this kind of unfolding of surrender to myself and to my energy and to the curiosity of what it, um, how to just be in my essence. And it is so unnerving when you begin that journey. It's really, and because you have to decondition all, all of the structures that are put in place, the structure of like, um, and the languaging, you know, I was, did, am I lazy? By just sitting here and just being, am I lazy? Oh my gosh, I'm not being productive and everyone's out there and people have their careers and they've got their jobs and they're, you know, and they, and they have their social lives all stacked up perfectly. And here I am just like sitting, looking at the trees, trying to gather myself again. (laughs) So, and it's a, it's a nervous system rewiring because you really have to get into such, and it's a nutritional space, you know, and I'm excited to talk about that because it really is an embodied sense. And so to be able to feel comfortable in your beingness, in your feminine energy, that requires a good amount of nutrition for the nervous system. Okay, I can't wait to hear about that, but I want to hear... Okay, let's say somebody's starting to get it. There's there's mm-hmm. we have a listener or like maybe three, maybe a hundred that are like, I want that. Something's missing. I feel out of balance. I can't. And most of most of what I'm talking about is so new. And this, I mean, it sounds so old, but mm-hmm. it's it's almost like when I started to understand the nature of the feminine. It was, I was like, this is completely opposite than what I thought. I thought it was all about becoming a man. You know, and mm-hmm. but it's like, why are we becoming? And I, I began the podcast with the introduction of this is like, if we're beautiful white horses, why do we want to become like a different kind of a creature that maybe is not as as regal as that? And it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, it's like, why do we think it's so much more powerful to become like a man than just to be in our own nature, which isn't like a man? 
And who told us that it was like that? Maybe it was the government. Maybe it was the government saying, you know, like not to be a conspiracy theorist or whatever, but maybe it's us. And we were so gullible, like Eve in the garden, she's the one who ate the apple. And then God, I read that passage because I'm fascinated by it. And you know what God said? He looked at Adam and he goes, Adam, what did you do? And Adam's like, I didn't eat the apple. You gave me this woman and she did it. And it's such a funny thing because it's like, we're the ones like, well, I don't know. And we really don't because we live from that heart space. You know, Mm -hmm. Adam logically knew, don't eat the apple. Probably should have educated her a little more. Don't eat it because she's just like, la, 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 like eating, like doing the thing in my mind. And that's how we are. We're just sort of Mm -hmm. like, well, if somebody tells me this is okay, I think I'll I'll do that or I'll follow that because we don't, we're not meant to live from our minds. So we're kind of doing something that's out of tune. And so Mm -hmm. constructing that is so painful. And for Mm -hmm. me, I'm only a year into it and I'm really struggling now with not working at the clinic every day Mm -hmm. or that, but I'm still doing things. How long did it take you? Hmm. I would say it was a slower process that was taking about, it was coming out of veganism was a really first big step for me and going back into midwifery and, and needing to, and, and, and watching and being around women again. And, and so that was a slow process. That was maybe like two years. And then my acceleration was when I got pregnant with my daughter well, it was actually um, before I got pregnant with her. It was about six months before, and I was preparing for the pregnancy. And I I knew that I wanted to really be in the medicine of the pregnancy. And to really do that and to really be, be in the meditation of that, I had to clear away so many things, so many relationships that were a drag. So many, you know, you have to look at every layer of the way that you're relating to life. Um, the, the relationships you have, your daily routines. Uh, so it took me probably about three years to really fully get it. And then motherhood has been such a, uh, beautiful opening to that. And really, and like when I truly, truly embodied it in a way that is like never going away now. So how many years, I mean, I don't want to, I always want to know time-wise, but I shouldn't do that because it's a control factor. But like, how long (laughs) did it take you to feel, finally feel comfortable in the waking up and not knowing what the day would bring? Or, you know, like being comfortable with not, like, I think for the, out of all the identities I've lost, which are many, Mm -hmm. many, many, but the one that's the hardest is like the career, but I haven't lost it yet because here I am doing this, which mm-hmm. is like counterintuitive, but it's such a, you know, like it's not, it's never, I'm always wanting to do more. So I've had a really, that was my hard thing is like always needing, needing challenge, always needing challenge. Did you have that? And did you like, when did it start to really untangle? Was it the pregnancy that made you like, do you think it was the child? I think it was the child. Yeah. And I think it was, like I said, just a little bit before I got pregnant with her 
I write working on my, my fertility and my menstrual cycle and my rhythms and getting my temperature up, getting my thyroid into a functioning space, getting my minerals really balanced, getting really, eating really nutrient dense foods, just moving at a slower pace. And I, I think that something that I want to debunk is that it's not the, the feminine can do, but it's the way we approach doing. Are we approaching it with our head or are we approaching it with our heart? Because a very woman who is really embodied and depend and cyclically, right? Like to honor our cyclical nature that we are, especially in our menstruating years, we have such a, we have so many tides that we're riding. And so I feel very energized right after like three days into my bleeding and then all the way until I ovulate and I have a lot of energy. And so I know, and I kind of build and stack my life around, I'm going to have the energy to create and do the things that I want to do. I work more during those times. It feels more in alignment with my body. And so it's not that you have to just be void of, uh, of a living life and, and even working and making money, but it's how you're relating to it and how it's working for your body system. And is it heart led? Hmm. Or is it something that you feel like you have to do and you're grinding through it? And so many stories I hear of women's like, well, it's just what I need to do. And, and I think that sacrifice is a really inherent thing to the masculine. They, they really thrive on sacrifice, sacrifice and purpose and overcoming obstacles and that challenge. And what's more inherent to the feminine and to females is, um, is radiance. And they don't seem sacrifice and radiance don't and, and we get really um what is the word? We get very resentful when we have to sacrifice a lot. And and over the times of sacrificing, 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 there is a huge resentment and a bitterness that comes in. And then the bitter wall, the bitterness is like the first layer that has to go because women are so bitter. They're bitter towards men. They're bitter towards life. They're bitter towards their friends. There's just a bitterness. Once a woman has far, she's gone so far away from her femininity. And you can tell if you're far away from it, if you're really bitter, mm. because we are, we are really intended to, to be quite radiant. And, and so the bitterness doesn't just come within her. It comes with being angry at your family or being angry with your husband or being upset with it, with all those things. It's like, you could probably stay in, unless you're getting completely abused emotionally or, you know, or there's something really off in the marriage, you probably make a marriage work if you just go into your feminine more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hate mm-hmm. to say that everyone's going to get really mad that I said that, but if more women were in their heart, which is my newest book, more marriages would last. Mm-hmm. because you the only person that can bring a man into their heart is a woman because men have no idea how to get there they have no there's they're only in their head so they only have the mirror of what it the ability to get into their heart what that means to be in that simplicity that state of being and not needing when they're when through the mirror of a woman and if all mm-hmm. women are trying to become men then you have the entire world out of balance and there's mm-hmm. no one in their heart like it's 99 darkness but when you were talking mm-hmm. about the beginning, you were saying when you began to go through this process of slowing down into simplicity, you had to, I would call it guard your heart. Mm-hmm. 
And it's kind of, and and it is guarding your heart. So it's like when people are like, oh, I have so much chaos going on in my life, or I have this going on in my life. It's like, well, what are the movies you're watching? Who are the people Mm -hmm. you're hanging out with? Like, what are the songs you're listening to? And like, though I love Miley Cyrus, I'm a huge fan of it. That new flower song that's like, I can buy myself flowers, you know, that one. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. sneak with my little girls. And there's a moment that I'm like, I had to turn it off. I'm trying, I don't, as, as much as I like, it's such a good song. And I love it. I was just thinking, I don't want to teach them this. I don't want to teach them that they can buy themselves flowers. That guy cheated on her with 14 different women. And then she got, mm-hmm. you know, she didn't get anything out of that. And she got then, bitter. Yeah, she's bitter. And she got, mm-hmm. she wrote a song about a guy being a bastard. And she's not in her heart. And so mm-hmm. and either is he mm-hmm. and, at all. So he gets farther mm-hmm. and farther and farther away from his heart when she's farther and farther and farther away from hers. And then she writes this amazing song that the entire world's singing about like being single. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's like, and everyone resonates with it, right? Everyone resonates with it because the the, bitterness. And it, sh- it shows us the frequency at which our conscious collective is at. It totally does. And that's what this book, this latest book I wrote is about. It's about, mm-hmm. so if the building blocks of, oneness of unity if the building blocks of unity are the male and the female and the female and they're not together and they're all starting to separate we're just we're all living separate lives mm-hmm. then we were and I, I started this podcast out um with explaining like I went back to Atlantis and I was talking about like okay so if it was true and that all really happened and we were out of balance and and we blew ourselves up with some sort of technology we're out of our nature out of balance with nature, right? And then we flooded the world, whatever. And we've had this happen many times, like Rome goes too big, ego gets too big and blows up or it happens. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm arguing that probably one of the biggest pro- out of balance things that we've ever done in nature right now is the imbalance in feminine going to become a man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, if if a woman's supposed to be a woman and we don't know what that is, we don't even know what that is anymore. Just like Ida mm-hmm. Gaskin. I remember, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm switching around, but I'm not switching around. I remember I was, I went to the farm in Tennessee and I was sitting next to Ina McGaskin the whole time. I don't know how we always sat by each other, but it was just one of those moments where she would put her hand on my leg. Ina McGaskin, for anyone who's listening, wrote famous books on midwifery, which sadly no one's listened or not that many people know anymore, but she was probably the most famous midwife in the entire world. And at the time she became a midwife, she was in the 1960s and birth was becoming like Brazil here, where it was only people getting epidurals. They were putting, they were putting gas in them. They were even caging women and not bringing the man in the room for birth. There was all these practices happening by male doctors. And she was the one who secured natural birth, literally, I think, on the planet, the frequency Mm -hmm. of natural birth. And I don't think if she wouldn't have written about that, it would have been lost. And, Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting by her and I'm being like, this woman secured natural birth on the planet. That's crazy. And she did. She, it was being lost. She she explained to me, because I got to study with her for so long, that she went into, nobody knew how to do it. The doctors didn't know how to do it. So she had to go into the library system, go into the bottom of all the libraries and find ancient books on birth and look at the birth history and figure it out. She taught herself how to birth babies. And then she taught everybody else because nobody knew how to do it. Because mm-hmm. in Brazil... Nobody knows how to naturally birth. They all do C-sections, right? So no one, if you go into natural labor, they'd freak out. 
They wouldn't know mm-hmm. what to do with you. Mm-hmm. And it was becoming like that in the United States. So she started a movement, which then people caught on to. So there's got to be frequency holders. There's got to be people that say, oh, um, something's wrong with nature. We're going out of nature. Um, let's not forget this because we're going to go too far <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and remember. And I think us going out of nature with what it means to be a feminine, we're going to go so far we don't ever remember what it is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's going to be some gatekeepers coming. Hopefully I'm one of them and hopefully you're one of them, but like some of them will be loud and some of them will be not so loud. And the not so loud ones keep the frequency and the loud ones speak for that. Mm -hmm. And if we don't remember what it means to be a woman, we're going to forget for the rest of our life and no one's going to know the next generation. Am am I wrong? No, you're absolutely not wrong. And it's crazy. That's crazy. Right. Right. And there is a lot of, languaging that is taking and even in the birth spaces they you know when doulas go through training they are trained now to say um birthing person instead of birthing woman the language woman the word woman oh you're right you're thinking like he she him her they oh my gosh right about that they're trying to take female erasure Female erasure. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a whole conversation on into itself. And, and the, uh, you know, the many ways in which the feminine nature is being obliterated through birth control, through ways of trying to help a woman ease into her, the medicine of her initiation, menstruation. The, I teach a lot of women about menstruation and their menstrual health. One of the biggest things that helps women with debilitating cramps and bleeding so much is that I say on the first day that you bleed, do nothing. Do nothing. Don't go to work. Don't go to soccer practice. Don't go to your cardio. Don't do your HIIT class. Do nothing. But what has been told, you know, here's the birth control. Well, you don't have to have your period anymore. And here's the, you can, you can do everything like a man. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to be in a rhythm in a nature and, and the, there is a vulnerability. And I think that that's one thing that, um, that at the same time that we talk about the, the feminine that needs to be, um, explored and, and related to, but the masculine, Right. And so we're so mad that the, that the men around us are just acting in this particular way. And like you were saying, and something I wanted to touch on about you saying, if a woman was really in her heart, more marriages are going to be, there's such a vulnerability to be in your heart, to be held. But what we have to realize in this woman, Julian Patier, she said something so beautiful recently where she says, a, a woman's, a man leads, but her frequency goes first. So like our frequency, our energy, our radiance is the first thing in line. And then a man leads from that space. And so you're right that if we are more exposed in the heart and if we are more living in that space, relationship dynamics work. And it's, it's not to give a, you know, men don't have to do the work to kind of meet us where we're at. I think that there's a lot of work that the men need to be doing and and that's their own journey. And but our frequency goes first. Mm. Yeah, there, that, okay. So what I'm understanding by what you're saying by that. Mm-hmm. So if I'm greedy 
and I want more money and I need more and I need a bigger house and I need a bigger, I need a bigger car. I need it. I need more. My frequency is going to call for that. And he's going to lead from that. If I don't need those things, if I don't need more, which is like, if, if we have two sexes needing that much, look at what we're doing to the planet. And you're all so mad. Oh, the, oh, look at the, look at the planet. Look at the planet. Everybody's like, let's do it. I'm an environmentalist. I'm an mm-hmm. environmentalist. It's like, well, what kind of car do you drive? It's like, <laughs> then stop wearing your stupid Levi's. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Everything is like, don't, don't be ignorant. And people are so, so like ignorant, but that's another thing. At least I I can say to them, like, I'm not an environmentalist. I do my very best, but like, I definitely am not. So I, I, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie about it and create Mm -hmm. a persona of what I am. Right. But, Mm -hmm. or I'm not going to say like, I'm not going to be so mad at you, all the women that are so mad at, at men. It's like, what are you doing to create it? What are you doing? Like, look at yourself. Like, Look at what you, you have to go through the process of deconstructing how you're, what you're desiring and what you need inside of what you really wanted to create. It's like, what do you want to get up in the, every morning and create? What do you want to experience? And then you choose who you want to surround yourself with by what you want to experience. And back to the, we didn't really finish the guarding your heart thing, but like back to what kind of music are you listening to? Are you listening right. to like, what's even on your walls? Like, if you're single or you're married, like what kind of art do you have around? What you know, what are you looking at every day? Um, mm-hmm. what are the clothes you're wearing? Who are the friends you're hanging out with? Um, who are you talking to? Um, what are you watching on TV? What you know, like it all matters. Mm-hmm. What are you watching? You know, if are you watching porn? Are you are your husband watching porn? Because that's gonna create such a disgrace within the marriage. Like it's and it all goes back to these like very holy values of mm-hmm. living in your heart is a more, it's a holy, it's mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. It's a holiness because mm-hmm. you don't need anything. You're not going to, you're not going to be like, I need more money because you're not going to be working as much. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're working a crap load and you're always, you're always going to be in your mind, you're going to be running around, walking your dog quick, you know, picking your t- kids up, rushing to the thing, and then you're going to just pray, you get it done, and then the end of the day is exhaustion, right? And that's why every mm-hmm. woman has autoimmune issues. Autoimmune mm-hmm. issues are 70, I think it's, I think I read a study recently on autoimmune issues, and it's 70% women or more, not mm-hmm. men. Men don't come mm-hmm. into the, cl- the clinics with me and say, I have autoimmune issues. What man do you know mm-hmm. has autoimmune issues? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why are because we getting them? The, right, because we're not in our nature we're not in our nature we're not in our nature yeah it's we are so disconnected from our body function and and that's in so many ways you know even going back to the birth you know it's all of these things that keep us away from our initiations when we have these initiations as women and men have them as well but our first initiation is when we first get our periods and it is like, and how is that held? Women go, oh God, honey. And the stories that you hear your mother saying and the stories that you heard about your grandmother and the mother's being like, oh, ah, I'm on my period. I'm so angry. I'm so pissed off. Well, you know, there is a rightful rage that women have. There is a sacred rage that that only gets allowed in society to be expressed in two ways through my lens that's like oh she's on her period 
oh, she's pregnant, right? And these two times that we've really allowed ourselves to, but then it's like we get we get discounted because it's like, oh, well, don't listen to her. She's all angry and stuff. So, you know, but she's just on her period. And I'm saying all of that is your truth. So, so a part of the deconditioning is coming back to, you have to go through the bitterness. You have to go through the anger and the rage and the trauma that has been put on women that has put us into a state. It is easier for us, safer we feel, and it's, and I don't believe that we are actually safer, but we feel we'd be safer if we just acted like men. Because if we were really women, we feel objectified and nervous and scared and we get into this, you know, like, is it okay to just be a woman? Because men, the way that men are relating to me when I'm just in my womanhood is there's a nervousness that if you haven't, un, if you haven't processed some of that trauma, if you haven't gone through your rage, if you haven't gone through the layers of bitterness to be able, cause to be, to be bitter is really just a lack of boundaries. And so being in your feminine nature is a very boundaried space. And as you were saying, guarding your heart, what are your boundaries around what you listen to? What are your boundaries about what you ingest spiritually, emotionally, physically? Like what are your boundaries? Boundaries are a very, very feminine thing because we have to honor our energy that is ever-changing every day, every moment. So if you don't have this really strong sense of boundaries, you're going to let yourself kind of, uh, you know, be taken into the world. And then that's where you just let the, you know, the life tell you. So these initiations that is lost and women don't hold and revere menstruation and pregnancy and birth, these, these moments that activate us that are like these upgrades to our feminine system and they get shortcut by taking birth control and not having your menstrual cycle, by putting toxic tampons up you when you're bleeding, by, by having, you know, having all of these crazy tests done in your pregnancy and by pathologizing your pregnancy and, and having a very medicalized birth. And those are ways in which our big activations are being diminished. How did you, um, how did you have your like emotions processed? And I've talked about this in other podcasts, many, I believe I have it last year because I'm restarting this now, but the heart opening process and the heart opening process is like an onion of feeling all the past trauma. And you, until you feel it, you're going to be in your head trying to always, you know, wondering why it's popping up again in your life. But how did like, it processed for you? Did you have to have a mirror of it or did you take, how long did it take you? Mm -hmm. Is it still happening? Oh yeah. I mean, it's still happening the layers of it. And then you think that you're good and you go on a while and you go, Oh, that kind of crept back in. <laughs> and, you know, I did a lot of somatic work. I did a lot of honestly, my long walks in the morning are such a process for me. And I just track, I don't, there's no judgment in the system. You know, I really hold a very like no judgment to my own body, to my own experience. I'm just a witness. So I track when I would get really angry. Okay. That's interesting. I get really angry about that. I wonder where that's coming from. And I'd kind of go into my body. Where does that live in my body? Okay. What age do I feel 
that I was when that really, that emotion kind of came online for me. Is this even mine? I did a lot of ancestral work. And now I think that the babies coming on the planet in these higher consciousness aren't, they, they so want us to be clear of all of that trauma because they are wanting to come and they have work to do. Our generation has been doing the work of clearing the path of consciousness. So clearing out the ancestral ties. So there's been a lot of emphasis on ancestral work and clearing that out. So I cleared a ton of stuff. I cleared my, my, my maternal line was really, is really, you know, there's been a lot of trauma there because a lot of it wasn't even mine. And so I didn't have like, I didn't have a story to attach it to. So I'd go, okay, I'd call up my grandma. What do you feel about this? What's your story around this? And she would tell me, you know, and I'd be like, oh my God, that's so hers that lives in my body in a cellular way. Like this seems very like woo and kind of ethereal, but really it's a body function because when I was created inside my grandma, my cellular structure, my mitochondrial cellular structure and my, you know, my nutritional blueprint was based off of her and how I felt around the world. And so I go back to a lot of like, wow, what was my grandma dealing with? And so that was a lot of me uncovering some of that trauma, even seeing what was mine, what wasn't, doing a lot of somatic practices, doing a lot of meditation, and just tracking and having the conversation with people and just opening up and and having no timeline. Because the feminine doesn't really have that structure of time. You know, it's like, I'm just in it. This is just my life path now, the, uh, uncovering this and and weaving a new way. So what do you think a woman should do if they're in the beginning of a journey and they're like, I'm looking for something, I'm looking for what it means to be spiritual. And this is about backing to guard your heart, right? And there's all these different people and teachers out there and these like, and I did it. I did it. Like I got really into every kind of spiritual practice and I like tested out everything and none of them were like really it, you know, none of them. I mean, they were all good. They all like led me to where I wanted to go at that time. They were like stepping stones to the heart, but anything which is going to make everybody mad. Cause I taught yoga for all those different years and yoga is great for the body and, and, and all the meditation is great for the mind, but it only takes you so far. Mm-hmm. It, it really does. Like you can, you can sit and meditate your whole life, but you're still in your mind. Mm-hmm. So you're not in your heart yet. And so it's a lie. So you're lying. You're lying to yourself. And I was lying to myself. And, and the people that like I'm best friends with and a big part of this meditation group and everybody is like, once I hit the heart, I was like, I'm, I didn't know. Like I remember somebody telling me that, oh, meditations doesn't take you all the way there. And I was like blown away. I remember I was sitting in Costa Rica on this, on this, I was sitting with Abdi, who's the best teacher I've ever met. And then I, and a couple of friends who had done Kundalini yoga for all forever. And I'm going to make so many people mad, but I love Kundalini yoga. And I, I think it takes you so far and I think it clears your subconscious and I think it can blow you up and, and like really get to the stuff quickly. I think it works. But then you get to a point where you're halfway up the mountain and you just can't climb any farther because there's just like nowhere else to go. Like if you did it like I did it, there's, I was like, I was, I was a full-time job. It's like 30 hours a week. I'm like, let's get it out, get it out faster. Right. And then I couldn't get any farther. And I remember sitting with this woman named Julia and Abdi in Costa Rica. And I remember them telling me the truth of like, it doesn't, it doesn't, 
take you all the way. And I remember being like, that's not true. And then it took me like a year to have that really hit me to like meditation doesn't open your heart. Doesn't. It just works on your mind and on your subconscious. But the heart is a completely different thing. It's 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 not done from the mind. Does that does so when people are wanting to clear these ancestral things and when they're wanting to, you know, how do they handle all the false teachings, all the things they can grip to, all the things that actually, you know, when I say guard your heart, all the things that are not real, like all the, there are some dangerous teachers out there. I mean, and they are like, they, they'll get you into some sort of energy field or they'll do this to you or they'll do that. And it's like, you have to be careful who you enter and what you listen to. Mm -hmm. How do you know? What do you do? What did you do? Well, I think one of the things is how are we, uh, (laughs) it's so cute because when we approach coming into our feminine, are you approaching it? through the doing lens of the masculine, like what can I do to get into my feminine? And And that's what I was doing. I was like, (laughs) what can I do? Like every day I was like doing more and like it's Uh feminine to me. It felt Uh really feminine to me because like, oh, I'm doing something he's not doing. I'm meditating Uh Uh and I'm doing spiritual practices and I'm like waving my wand and like my Uh crystals. Not to say all that stuff didn't work. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I was a powerhouse, but I'm Mm -hmm. more of a powerhouse by not doing those things, which mm-hmm. is like a mind fuck to me. Mm-hmm. It, it blew me away. I was like, wow, I'm way more mm-hmm. powerful in my heart. Like now what I think of happens. Now what I dream of comes to life. Now the mm-hmm. minute I say it, the minute I think it, boom, I have to be very careful what I think and mm-hmm. what I say because I'm like, and what I, who I talk to. And and that's why I stopped my podcast for a year because I needed a moment of like, wow, the heart is powerful. The heart's a new level and it's yeah. clear and it's clarity and it's going to piss people off and people are going to love it. And so you got to be careful, mm-hmm. you know, do you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it, it parallels with a nutrition aspect that, that I want to bring in. We have this lens of like, if I can just cleanse, 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 it's the do, 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 do. Mm. It's the like exorcism of the parasites and the demons and the traumas and the everything and get rid of it. And it's such a yang. It's such a masculine energy to detox on the physical and the energetic. So what I, what I want to, you know, allow in is more nourishment because if you nourish How do you nourish your soul? How do you nourish the heart? How do you nourish your body? It's not through, it's a state of receptivity because receptivity is the feminine. Receptivity is an open heart. And if we are constantly expelling and pushing out in an energetic or even in a physical way, we are, it's a very yang. There's nothing yin to that. Yin is very receptive. So how do you instead of trying to detox your life and detox your traumas, the best way to do that is through a nourished system on the physical and the energetic. Like what are you ingesting everywhere around you? What are your thoughts? It's tracking. It's just being with what is because there's also, it's also just a choice. You know, I don't think that you have to go through these great lengths. You don't have to do these 
big retreats and all of these big things. I think it's all these little carrots that dangle us away from just how do you be? Will you just wake up and you say, I'm going to spend five minutes not scrolling TikTok, not doing anything. And I'm just going to sit and I'm just going to look at a tree and I'm just going to be in awe of the tree and its roots. And I'm going to see what comes up. And it's it's that that yin. Dangling carrots because the only God's not, God's not dangling the carrot. It's Mm -hmm. you. God's Mm -hmm. not like God didn't put that spiritual practice or that exorcism Mm -hmm. event in the desert or um, that crystal shop in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and say, and then you're like, I always, and my sister would always say this to me. I'd be like, I mean, everything is spiritual. And then when you realize that you're at a new kind of spiritual. And so you, all of those things mm-hmm. lead to you to where you need to go. They're all a part of it. And sometimes you move through that. I felt like when I was doing Kundalini, it was like really fast. And I, I needed fast in that time period because I needed to write my books. I needed to do those things. Now I don't need that. Right. So there's nothing you can do wrong and it's all part of the plan and it's all pre-done. I don't think you can control mm-hmm. it. But the carrot is only dangled by you. And so if there's some sort of mm-hmm. goal that you have, it's like you put an imaginary carrot on the back of your head and it's sitting in front of you. You're like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. who's creating that? You are, which is the hilarious part of it. Like God's not saying to you, I need you to, I need you to get that job. God doesn't need you to get that job. God doesn't care. He, you know, Jesus didn't teach mm-hmm. in the Bible, mm-hmm. um, go work. He said, no, stop. And I, I I started this podcast out with this uh, thing on Martha and Mary in the Bible. So, which is like a paragraph. I know, I, you know, I've been reading the Bible and I'm like mm-hmm. blown away by this. Mm-hmm. I'm blown away. I'm blown away because it's all the heart. Jesus taught yeah. how to be in the heart. And so I'm like going through this process of understanding the heart. And I remember when Eckhart Tolle like went through an awakening and he stopped. I think I started with, I started with this too, but like he stopped, he said he stopped meditating. And I was like, how oh, in the heck would he stop meditating? What is he talking mm-hmm. about? He's like, mm-hmm. once you get there, you don't need meditation either. Mm-hmm. And or once you know, once you get it, like you don't need to control, you don't need to do anything mm-hmm. else. And right, and the getting there was researching it. I mean, yeah, yeah. I just think that the the when someone hears that, okay, when you get there, there is this inherent like, well, how do I get there? What do I have to do? There's your carrot. To get there. The reality is, you are there. Yeah, we're all there. Right. It's just being in a state of receptivity and an allowance to be there. So we have to, we have to just clear the field and, and it just goes with time and it happens the more. So there is no, there is no one path. There is no perfect book to read or teacher to learn from because everyone has their own story and their own embodiment of what that looks like for them, right? Like I say, especially in the goddess realm, like there is this this spectrum of being, of femininity. There is like the ethereal goddess playing a harp and then there's like Hecate and Kali who are like destructive, right? And it's like, where are you at on that spectrum? I am not like a soft, breezy feminine. I'm a very fiery, I have a lot of fire in my system. I'm very passionate. I'm very, ah, And so I always thought, well, I'm not, I'm not in my feminine because I'm not this like wafery, thin, ethereal goddess that wears these flowy dresses. It has no imagery, (laughs) 
<laughs> that is attached to it that I think is being domesticated and, you know, and pushed onto us. And this whole thing of like, be in your feminine. Well, that doesn't, there's no mala beads that are going to get you there. There's no crystals put up your yoni that are going to activate you into some orgasmic bliss state. Like it's really a state of like, how receptive can you be in your physical body on a cellular level to the world and nature around you? And that's takes to me, that was spending a lot of time in nature. I was like, if I want to be in my feminine, what is the most feminine thing on the planet? The planet. Nature. Mother Earth. Nature. She's so feminine. So I learned from her. I just spent time listening to birds chirp. And I I just took time to just be. And there, it's like, it was a state that I would, it would take me, 30 minutes in a really activated, you know, meditation to get to that state. And and then I could be there for like a second, but I couldn't hold that energy for very long. Even if I got there in a meditative space, because I didn't have the ability to receive and hold pleasure and joy and radiance. I hadn't, I hadn't, you know, it was, it was really just being with nature, being on the land, being at the farm, you know, and then walking barefoot, barefoot and pregnant. (laughs) And there is something that is, um, that I felt embarrassed by, which was interesting when I came to my pregnancy and I didn't want to work anymore. And I wanted to just cook and be domestic. And it was everything that I rejected as far as what was pushed upon me that a woman needed to be right. The cook, the clean, the, this. And I was like, I were so much more than that. I don't want to do that. And then I got into my pregnancy and it's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to like make stews and milk the cow and make butter. And it was so simple. Um, for anyone listening, this woman butchers animals. And like I told her she should start a whole brand, not to be like back to business, but like you could have a whole brand. I mean, I don't know a yeah. one woman butcher, but like you're mm-hmm. doing it in such a crazy, I could, I could not do that, but maybe I could actually with you. You could. Yeah. It's very shamanic. Yeah. I'm going to bring the girls out and we're going to butcher with you. Yeah, I do. But I mean, I teach. What, but say India, India has been a vegetarian her whole life. Mm-hmm. I packed her a turkey sandwich for lunch and she's like, I told you 500 times I'm a vegetarian. I didn't tell her. I didn't tell her. She's a vegetarian when I was pregnant with her. Her name's India. I don't know why I named her India. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, it's so mm-hmm. weird, these kids. Do you think mm-hmm. Bliss made you that way? Your daughter. Oh yeah. I mean, I think so much that I, I can look and see how she was puppeteering me. And this is, I, my daughter's two and a half. And the other day she says, um, thank you so much for finding me, mama. Thanks for finding me. And I said, do you think you chose me or did I choose you? And she said, I choose you and you found me and you took me from my planet to this planet. And you didn't tell her to say that. How could Does I? she know <laughs> what planet did she say, like where she's from? Could you imagine? When I, when I was pregnant with her, she took me outside in a dream. Well, she woke me up and from a dream and she says, go outside and look at the stars. And I went outside and I saw the Pallades. 
and it was so bright in the night sky. And luckily living in a more rural place, like I can see the stars really clear. And, and I was like, is that where you're from? And she's like, yeah, go back to sleep. (laughs) So I do think that she was, she was very much guiding me. And even in my midwifery, right. I chose to birth and be pregnant with her in a completely different way than I practiced in midwifery. I practiced in a birth center and one of the busiest birth centers in the state that I live in. And we were busy and I, I did all of the structures and all of the masculine things. And I did all of the testing on women and we did all of the, you know, whatever all of the protocols. And right before I got pregnant with her, I left and I stopped taking clients and I stopped practicing midwifery because I was like, this is something just felt wrong about it. And I didn't know what it was yet, but I followed that heart centered feeling because my mind wanted to logic out of it, right? It wanted to go into the like masculine, what's this thing? What's the, what's the problem? How can we fix it? But my heart was like, something is just not right in this. You just have to leave. And so, although it was scary and I didn't, and it was such an identity of mine and it was my livelihood. And I said, okay, like I just, and then I just did. And, and I was supported. I was fine. And following my heart has been the most abundant thing I've ever done. So she absolutely, you know, she wanted to be the way in which she wanted to be birthed. I gave a, I did a free birth and I had a completely wild pregnancy. I never did one test. I never did. I never listened to her heartbeat. I never tested myself for gestational diabetes. I didn't test, you know, nothing. I just was pregnant. Wow. And I just, you should I write never, a book on that. I mean, yeah. So it was so, and the medicine of that the medicine of just being in the mystery, which is also a part of the feminine, like the feminine mystery as to like, when you say, when you keep saying that, and I love it so much because it seems so simple, but it's really expansive. Like if you can wake up in the day and like, what's your day going to be like? That's so mysteriously feminine. It's like, I don't know. Let's see what unfolds. Let's see where the heart takes me. I know. What is your day going to be like? (laughs) I mean, I had to learn. I mean, I had to learn this. And I learned it from Abdi because he has this land in Costa Rica and I kept going to it and I hated it at first. Oh, the first time I went, he has this land in Costa Rica. It's in the middle of nowhere and there's no cell phones. There's no mirrors. There's no showers. You have to shower in the, in the, in the, in the river and you have to drink the same water out of these streams. And then we eat twice a day and we go on a simple walk and we do nothing else. Oh, I was like, bring me the airplane, get me out of here. Mm-hmm. I mean, like every single day, it's a panic attack. Like all your stuff mm-hmm. comes up beyond that. The energy there is like the most amplified energy I've ever experienced in my entire life. Like we were flooding the water, we were flooding, there's earthquakes. There's like, as we're like all doing whatever we're doing, which is like pretending just to hang out, but we're not, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, that was my first introduction to it. It was really hard. So it, I guess it's been more than a year process. It's been years and years of, of undoing doing. Mm-hmm. And then when I stopped getting up at 4am to do my two and a half hour Kundalini practice, <laughs> that's a whole new thing. Like now when I sleep until like seven, I'm like, whoa, that like mm-hmm. took a long time. I'm like, am I lazy? Cause I would get up mm-hmm. and either write a book or I would, you know, like, I got a lot done before 10 a.m. And that's the doing, you know? And then I was like, well, what am I, what, I mean, I'm now I can chill because I can retire, I go into retirement at 
the age of 38, but mm-hmm. you know, like because I did so much so early. Mm-hmm. But there if I could keep going like that, and then that's the greed, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just to end, because we um it's 11 11. I love that. Um, what nutritional things would you most recommend in pregnancy? Mm. I I am incredibly grateful for animals. And, uh, you know, as I said through this, like coming out of veganism, raw veganism and vegetarianism for a very long time, my body did not function in that space. And even in midwifery, I noticed that a lot of the vegan mothers that were birthing, their placentas looked completely disintegrated. There was no vibrancy. And, you know, some people can feel good about it. And to me, I think that that's, you know, piggybacking off the nutrition of maybe that their grandma had. Um, because I don't think it's this, I think that veganism and vegetarianism is not a generationally sustainable act because of what our bodies need to like true nourishment. And like, it's not about morals or anything like that. It's about true body necessity. It's about really understanding the cells. So, um, I highly suggest women eat lots of animal products. I mean, good grass fed, well-raised, you know, animals, um, raw dairy. It's like all the stuff that they say, don't do. (laughs) No, raw dairy. A lot of the hippies in Marin County in California, they were way into raw dairy and they just, Mm -hmm. they would heat it up a little bit on the stove, just like a warm it. Mm -hmm. And I did Mm -hmm. it. It It's fine. I'm fine. Everybody's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's incredibly, it's so nutrient rich, raw dairy meats, organ meats, like to eat. So when a woman would, if, and I, I am practicing midwifery again, but I'm doing it completely differently. So I, I go through nutritional stuff and I go through emotional stuff and we just sit and I don't, I don't waste my time checking someone's blood pressure. I'm like, how's your relationship? How's your sex life? How's your energy? You know, uh, what stories are coming up? What's in your dreams? Like unraveling that kind of stuff. And I think, I think a part of the healing process for the feminine is to be in story medicine with each other. And so there's that. Yeah, if and you anyway. think about the past, they didn't check their blood pressure. I mean, I, I hate people are astonished right now, but if you really think about it, we probably just started checking blood pressure in the last 100 years. Now did maternal mortality rate change? I really don't know because it doesn't look so good here. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so what are we comparing it to? We don't really know. And it's a bunch of jumbled information at this point. Cause we didn't have anything documented from the past. Right. And it's just really didn't. a space to pathologize what's wrong. So all of those things, they hold a frequency of I'm looking to see if anything's wrong. Well, the frequency I hold and I look at is what is right? You know, what is right? Okay, what is, you know, yeah, so that nutrition. So I go through so much nutrition with women and then I support them to feel really confident to have their babies by themselves without the need for a midwife or a doctor. Um, Which I would, I mean, like, I don't think I could ever, I'm, I'm, I'm a hippie at heart. I really am. I could never do that. I don't think there's anything necessarily hippie about it. I think it's just, you know, choice and wanting to, and there's no right or wrong. And you find women that do this? Tons. And I think a lot of, a lot of people are coming out of the abuse 
Okay, so they had some situation happen and then they're freaking out and they don't want to... They don't want to be pathologized, you know? So they want... And it's like, it is that initiation into, can you, there's no one else on the planet that's actually going to birth your baby. It's you. Well, that's true. All my babies, luckily everything's been fine and I did it. And, but I sure, I just, I mean, we should do a whole podcast on what it means and like the thing around it and the fear you have. And like, I just, I would, I want, and then maybe they don't have to be in the room, but I'd want them right there in case I'm screaming in pain. I don't, I could never, but I can see like other people could like, and I don't know judgment for that, you know, like, Yeah. um, Yeah. yeah, yeah. But a huge piece that I go through is the nutritional stuff. It's lots of fruit. It is lots of organ meat. It is lots of, oh, so what I was going to say and why I brought up the way, if someone is sick in their first trimester, you know, which is a pretty common thing, you feel like nausea. I'll say, okay, take these organ supplements. It's gone. Like full stop, always works. What's the supplement called? So, I mean, there's lots, but it's mostly beef liver, but you can just get an organ supplement or you can just eat beef liver. Which is vitamin A, right? Vitamin A, but it's, and it's vitamin A and it's copper. Oh, the copper. Okay. So what's happening is that we're so minerally deficient and our body has to pump out so much to give, you know, life to a baby. So it's taking so much from us and, and rightfully it should, but ideally we would be so nutrient rich that it's no big deal. Right. So I, I never, ever for one single day felt pregnant in my entire pregnancy. I never had a symptom. I never had, I was never nauseous. I never had pain. I never had aches. I had the easiest and and everyone, oh, you just are lucky. And I don't think it luck actually has anything to do with it. I was nutrient dense and I planned to be the way that felt right to my body. And I felt great. Amazing. Now, if somebody has questions on all of these things, how can they find you? Um, mostly probably just through my email. I'm, I'm pretty like off the grid. So my email is probably the best way to get in touch with me. And that's chelestemarie at gmail.com. C-H-E-L-E-S-T-E M-A-R-I-E at gmail. Yeah. Everyone's like, get a website. I'm like, There's no need for me to do that. In my feminine being, what feels right for my being is that I just stand in the truth of who I am and I let my life be really simple. And you should get a Google, you should though get a Google business. So if you get Googled, then you are at least on Google. I have tons of people that are, that know about me and I, you know, I'm always taking calls, supporting women. So there's no, you know, I have no need for anything more like that. Yeah. I'm getting there, but I, um, so people can call you about nutrition. They can call you about birth questions, about if they have Mm -hmm. trauma around their past birth, things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And some of my favorite stuff to do is nutritional stuff. Um, and there are plenty of women that I can, and resources that I can share for kind of going through birth trauma. That's not necessarily my expertise. Um, it's not the frequency that I hold, but I know lots of women who do hold that. Um, yeah. And, um, or even just like, I mean, I love talking about land stewardship and being with the animals and, and I do teach a class, you know, throughout the summer, I teach a couple handful of classes to women to teach them about butchery. And I really think that women are, um, the shamanic birth keepers, you know, and the realm 
realm keepers. So it makes sense to me to be the one to take life because I'm the one that births it. You're hardcore. I know. (laughs) You're like so soft, but you're super hardcore. I know, right? I hold that. There's a picture of her, everyone listening. There's this picture, like I'm like you have like no pictures of you probably anywhere on the world in the world, but there's this one picture you posted this one time and I should have snapped a picture of it. And it's like, she found a moose killed on the side of the road in Utah and she found this leg and she's like, look at this beautiful gift from God. And then you hold this moose oh, I didn't leg. find the leg. I cut the leg off the moose. Yeah. It was the size <laughs> of her body. And uh-huh. I was like, wow. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, that's mm-hmm. amazing. Like, you're, there's nothing wrong with it. You didn't waste the animal. It was hid and then you used the animal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now Which my is, freezer is full of the most amazing meat that is was such a gift. Yeah. Thanks for joining. Yeah. Thank you, Chelsea. Love you. <laughs>